Yo, what's good? This is Barry Harrison, a.k.a. The Stars Barber. And uh, I just want to come at you today and tell you how schedulicity has changed my life. Like, number one, it's changed my life because it helped me get more organized. I was able to structure my day, structure my week. Um, I know what type of revenue I have coming this day. If I need to run out, run an errand, uh, if I want to take lunch, I'm able to do all these things. And it just helps to structure uh, a barber or stylist or anyone that's in an appointment-driven industry. You're able to maximize your time. And time is something that you can't get back. So I value my time and I love the customer service. And I've been with Schedulicity for over almost 10 years. I've been rocking with them for almost a decade. So happy to be part of the family. Happy. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, CEO and founder of Schedulicity. And we're proud to bring you this amazing podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my boy, Tony. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Dude, I am excited about today. Yeah, the person we're talking to today has been in the crosshairs since the podcast started. Yeah, he was definitely uh, one of the first ones that, that we saw, and like, uh, I think it's fair to call him the OG. Oh, yeah. Many ass. <laughs> exactly. I can't wait. Ah, such a great tease. Yeah, so, um, so uh, before we, you give the name, let's see. We'll, we'll throw out a name and see if anybody who, I mean. Probably, if you follow him, you know who he is. I'm going to say Rob Farrell. Rob Farrell. So we're talking to Rob Farrell today. And uh, if you don't know, well, we know that you know who Rob is because the dude's got like, I don't know, a million or two followers or something crazy. So everybody's following him, right? Right. But they just, yeah, they, they only probably know him by his Instagram name. By his Instagram name. So uh, today we, listen, Rob is just a rare, rare talent. You know, not only um, is he incredibly uh, gifted and talented artistically, but, um, you know, his art has been, um, it is so broad that um, I've actually seen him quite a bit outside of our industry. Like, I definitely saw him on TMZ, and I've seen him on a couple other shows, oh, which is yeah, amazing. He's been on a lot of shows, dude. I, I was just watching him this morning, uh, just scrolling through, just trying to get a feed on him. And, uh, you know, he was on Queen Latifah. He was... I mean, dude, he's he's done a lot. I mean, he's been on the back of the heads of uh, some of the some of the great NBA players, and yeah, he's pretty. It's the real deal, right? I mean, like, you know, I just he he, well, he's a barber, right? So actually, today we're going to talk to Rob the original, um, and that's what how you guys know him. But you know, Rob is again, you just see his work everywhere, and and he's not he's not like a barber who's an artist. He's an artist that's a barber. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. I can't wait to to get into the story of how those two connected and how he, he decided to do what he does uh-huh. in the barbering industry. But dude, what he's doing is phenomenal. It's incredible. I think some of my favorite stuff is like the salt art that he does on tabletops and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Favorite. Yeah. Anyways, it, it is even it is. even the, the hair tattoos on, on animals and the, the burning of charcoal. I just dude, it's, 
I mean, it's endless. Well, and you know, we met Rob at ISSE for the first time. And like, as we were, um, as we were meeting him, he was actually doing that Kobe Bryant um, kind of a, a hair tattoo, which is just absurd. Yeah. And we were about 10, 10 people back deep because he was so many people just surrounds him and crowds him just to be, to watch what he does. You know, I'm amazed by what he does. Completely. Should we get in? I think yeah. they don't want to talk to us anymore. Nah. Should we get in? Hey, Mr. Rob Farrell, also known as Rob the Original, welcome to your day off. What's up? What's up? How you guys doing today? What's up, man? Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for nice making time brother. for us, and thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with uh, with our podcast. Of course, thank you guys for having me. Um, I've heard really good things about this podcast, and I'm excited for this this podcast. Thanks, thanks man. Brother. Thanks, brother. Hey, so so where did you grow up? Where were you born? Where did you where did where did you grow up? Um, I was born in Los Angeles, California County. Um, I was actually born in the Torrance Hospital. Uh, my parents lived in Long Beach at the time. Um, we moved a lot in, um, in California when I was growing up. So I lived in a lot of cities around LA, all LA County, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I am the fifth child out of nine kids. So by the time I was born, I already had, you know, older sisters and, and older brothers. And I moved to Tijuana, Mexico when I was like almost done with first grade. So I was barely learning how to speak English at the time because, you know, I, I, I come from a Mexican family mm -hmm. that they were um, immigrants to the U.S. So all we spoke at home was Spanish. So I didn't I didn't get to do um, I didn't get to do uh, kinder or nothing like that. So I went straight to first grade. So I didn't know how to speak English because all I was taught at home was Spanish. So when I was learning a little bit like words, then we moved to Tijuana, Mexico. My dad bought a house. Um, he bought a house for my mom because, you know, they kept breaking up and my mom always end up in a, in a shithole and we end up living in the garage and, and it's just, my dad felt bad. He kept going back with my mom. And next thing you know, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to buy you a house in Mexico. I can afford it. I mean, it was a little house for like 10 grand. I think he bought it for, um, and it was in a little hill and, and it was a little fixer upper home. Very, very tiny. Like actually a really fixer up because the, the inside of the house was actually dirt. You know what I'm saying? Like get out. Are you serious? Yeah, it was the the street roads are, are still dirt and all that. So I went from being in a school where there was AC uh, heater and, and carpets, and the students sit on their on you know they cross their feet and sit in class to a classroom where the inside of the classroom was either dirt or concrete, and we didn't have no windows. We only had it was built out of center block, and they had like bars on the on the window so so people didn't break in to oh vandalize the classrooms and stuff but it, it was it was some beautiful years of my life man because um i feel like at that age at seven years old when we moved there it was very um very awesome the way that people lived out there because they still live old school so you have to use your creativity a lot so whether even to make toys which most of the toys were like weapons because <laughs> we made we would cut like the top of a gallon of a milk and we put like a, uh, a balloon and tie it up and, and shoot little rocks with it. Uh, we did like hunting toys, basically. <laughs> they, were the, they were the most fun one, you know what I mean? So we build like, we would collect like the tops to uh, sodas. Um, we call them corcholatas in Mexico. And we smash them with a rock and make them flat. And then out of those, we would fold them and make little figurines out of them as well. Yeah. Do, so you, have any was, those? Do you have any of those from when you were a kid? Still? No, nah, I don't. I don't, man. I wish I would have kept a lot of my art growing up, but I, I pretty much gave it all away, like, over the years. I never really thought that I would, like, mount to be something 
you know, bigger than, than that. Uh, but yeah, so basically I grew up there in Tijuana for, well, lived there for about three to four years. Then we moved back to the States. We moved up to the Bay Area. So I lived in San Jose, California for a couple of years. So I know what it is to be the, the kid in class that is, that doesn't know how to speak English. And how a little bit you, of so, English. You, so you were like was, 10 at this point? I was 10. Yeah. I was 10 when I oh. came back to California, we moved up to the Bay Area. So when I was living there, um, I was in class and they put like, they assigned a student next to me that would explain to me, um, what the teacher was saying. So it was a bilingual student and they put me in ESL classes, which, you know, English second language. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I quickly picked it up though, the English because I was still young, you know, I was in fifth grade. Um, I feel like when you're a kid, you can pick up English a lot quicker. Uh, especially because, you know, you're playing with other kids and my older siblings, they knew English because they went to school in L.A. Um, so I also we started speaking English a little more often at home. Um, but, yeah, those were good years, man. Those are like that mid 90s. So that was like around 95, 96. And I remember that during that time, R&B was big. You know what I mean? We had a uh, Tupac uh, was huge and biggie. Uh, so those years, um, I started picking up a lot on the R&B music, like R. Kelly, like uh, yeah, Casey and Jojo, uh, Blackstreet, all those. So I really, really liked those years. Those were really good years. That's when also the Niners and the, and the Cowboys were huge. You know what I mean? Um, right. They had uh, Jerry Rice and the Niners and Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman on the Cowboys. So I, I became a Cowboys uh, fan growing up. So I, I like the Cowboys. Now I'm a Chargers fan because... I represent San Diego as my, my hood, you know, later on we moved down. Yeah. We moved down South and I moved to San Diego. So I'm, I lived in San Diego, my junior high and high school years, which is my trouble years. And I feel like I started uh, doing a lot more art in those years as well. Um, Cause I started doing um, like graffiti and, and those were my, yeah, I would say trouble years because I was always outdoors. I was one of those kids that we made friends everywhere we moved, you know, and, and we played like street street sports, so we did like like uh, rollerblading, hockey. We did uh, obviously baseball, basketball, football. But I did a lot of skateboarding as well growing up, and and obviously graffiti. But, it's amazing yeah. to me. It's a, like we talked to um, uh, uh, the bloody butcher Rob, you know, from Ruzel, and like yeah. his crew, you know, they they all seem like they were because even Cheeseburger, they were all like former skaters. It's amazing, like this parallel between like skaters and and and, and the whole barber world now. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The but, whole barber thing that that kind of that the barber thing. Found oh, we'll get, there. We'll, get like, there. we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Hold on. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I would say. So, have you always been in in like drawing and graffiti and arts? I mean, how did you get involved into that? Yeah, I, I think that the whole drawing thing, I've always been a, an artist since I can remember, since before I can read and write. Um, I, when I was a little, little kid, uh, my mom used to live, um, and, well, when we lived in L.A., before we moved to Tijuana, she used to work downtown in, in L.A. In, on Broadway Street. Uh, my, my relatives on my mom's side, they own like a small uh, jewelry business, and my mom used to help out uh, there. So she would take me with her. This is during the time that I wasn't going to to kinder, you know, before first grade. So she would basically put me in a, in a room, um, you know, behind the, the building or whatever. And she would give me like a piece of paper and like crayons and be like, here, like entertain yourself while I go work. Cause she doesn't <laughs> have money for babysitter. Right? right. So while I'm there, like, I just, I was a natural, like I started drawing before I could even read and write. And this is, this is facts. You know what I mean? Like I have relatives 
um, that was, they still remember when I was little that they would walk into the room and be like, wow, like this kid is drawing. He's only four, you know what I mean? And he's doing good drawings. So my thing was that I can see something and, and duplicate it. You know what I mean? Um, I remember one of the, 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 the first drawings that I remember myself doing um, was like uh, the Tiny Toons. I remember drawing the Tiny Toons, like Plucky and, and some of the, you know, uh, Bugs Bunny, obviously. Um, I remember drawing also uh, some of the characters that were, and, I, and the reason that I remember drawing those was because I remember seeing them on McDonald's little, you know how they give you the toy and the little booklet comes in? Oh, They'll yeah. be on there. Yeah, the toy will come in with a booklet. So I would look at the, the drawing, I would just draw it. Also the Muppets, I used to draw the Muppets a lot, like Kermit the Frog. And this is all when I was very, very little. So from there, when I went to school, I remember the first day of school, um, when they enrolled me uh, in LA to to my first year, um, I remember they had us do a, like a camp, like a painting or whatever. Um, and during this time was it was during a holiday. I don't, I'm not sure if it was Halloween. I think it might have been Halloween. Um, but they had us draw like a like pumpkins or whatever. So they gave us this big, big canvas, and they would cut the milk cart cartons. They would cut them. They cut the top, and they pour uh, ink in there or like acrylic paint. Yeah. That's how we would paint, you know. I don't know if they did that in your school, but remember that? Like they used to do the the yeah, milk totally, gardens, yeah. and they would they would cut I, the top and they would put like the the paint. So I can I remember, smell it. I can smell yeah. it while you're talking. About. I can smell <laughs> the paint, right? So I remember doing a painting, and I painted this little girl with an umbrella. And the reason I painted that painting was because I remember seeing the 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 Morden salt. Um, and it's, it's ironic because now I do, I do saw art, right? Who would have thought? But uh, yeah, at the time I remember drawing the little girl with the umbrella and then there were some pumpkins and I drew some rain or whatever. The, 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 I didn't know how to speak English, a word in English, by the way. Um, but the school was so like impressed by this drawing, they framed it and put it in the lunch cafeteria. No. Um, yeah, I always wonder, do they still have this painting? You know what I mean? Like maybe go, ba go back go to the back. school. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's crazy. There's, there's a lot of things that, that I always wonder that people from along the way would have never thought, hey, this person's gonna make a career see, out of this. You, know? you see, that is Rob the original. That's the Rob the original painting, right? Yeah. Right, exactly, <laughs> that is, yep, yep, that is. <laughs> So yeah, I've, I've been drawing all my life, man. Growing up in school, I, I did a lot of uh, characters. Like I would draw, like I could see you and make you into a character. So I would do that, a lot of that as well. Um, a lot of pencil drawing, a lot of pen, um, color pencils, things like that. Um, but never thought that I would do one in haircuts or anything like that. That came along the way, like when I got older. Um, we were living in San Diego and I had a lot of brothers and sisters after me, three more, you know, my parents, they just didn't stop having kids. And, <laughs> and now I tell my mom, like, I'm like, look, mom, like, that's why we were welfare babies. You know, that's why we, we grew up with two staffs and they didn't have, they didn't have like name brand clothing because you guys kept having them. My mom would be like, well, Jesus gave them to me. And I was like, yeah. And also your activity, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's funny, but but yeah, like that, that's what it was. I guess she grew up in a big family herself. There was twelve in her family, her and her siblings. And back then, all you needed to do is just have them and have a roof over their head, have uh, food on the table, and and kind of they kind of raised themselves. They helped like bring money into the house, at, even right. at a young a young age. So they were used to that, I guess. But in the U.S., I mean, 
you can't have a kid working. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> in Mexico, you could, but not in the U.S. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah, they but take yeah. the kid from you. They find that. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, my parents, my mom, she she was a, a hustler. You know, she always found ways of trying to make money. Um, she had to. I mean, she had a, a lot of kids, right? Um, same with my dad. My dad was also a hardworking man. He was a uh, he had a really rough life growing up in Mexico as well. His his dad, which is my grandpa, um, got murdered whenever he was uh, well, not really murdered. It was more of an accident, but he got shot um, whenever he was a, a newborn baby. So he didn't grow up with his dad. His mom split on him. So he basically grew up with living with people, and he worked at a very young age. He dropped out at third grade and basically worked to have somewhere to live and um, and have somebody to feed him. So. He, he, he had a rough life. At 17, he migrated to the U.S. My mom, I think she migrated, she might have migrated like around 15, 16 as well uh, to the U.S. Um, and so they met in the U.S. then, huh? Yeah, they, they met in the U.S. Yeah, they did. There's a lot of, there was a lot of people migrating to the U.S. Back then, it was a lot easier than it is now, you know. Um, and, and then also, once they had kids and all that, obviously, they can become citizens, you know what I mean? Um, now, obviously, the laws are, have changed and, and we're more we have more people in like from other countries and all that. So, yeah, that's another story. But that's a whole nother um, story for a whole nother. Yeah, podcast. that's a whole nother story. Exactly. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. But yeah, man, I, I come from from parents that obviously, you know, they were they had rough lives uh ourselves we my parents looked at us like man you guys have a cake life like your life is good you know what I mean? <laughs> compared to ours yeah but, no doubt. but my life was i still look at it back now and i'm like damn we had a rough life living in a garage like you know shopping off of off of uh, goodwills and, and yard sales um you know that's where we got our bikes i never had a brand new bike and be like hey rock here's a brand new bike like, <laughs> that, like i wish you know what i mean i wanted a mangoes i wanted a uh um uh, what's someone call it uh, a gt dyno like a brand new one to come in you know just a huffy i wanted a huffy but we didn't have that <laughs> you know what i'm saying we had to build our own bikes which out of those things were obviously i feel like building my character um as i was growing up because we learned how to fix our own bikes how to put them together at a very young age we learned how to use power tools at a very young age because my dad was a handy person like he was a, he was a truck driver so um he would always um, like pick up uh, wood from like construction sites, like wood that they say, like they took down a house, right? There's right. a lot of good wood from that came from that house. Um, he would basically pick it up in his pickup truck and bring it to uh, Tijuana, Mexico. And he had piles of wood and he had electric uh, tools or power tools. So we were like his little helpers, you know, my dad was the type of person that if his car broke down, he would go to pick a pool, fix the car. Um, if he needed to fix electrical, he would do it himself. How did he learn? He was just a bright person like that. He would, he can literally just go and ask around Home Depot, like, you know, Hey, I need to fix this. What can, what do I need? And they tell him what he needed and he put it together and made it happen. Well, he put you gotta respect on somebody like that because they, yeah. you know, they have no excuses. They, they, they're going to make it happen for themselves. And right. I have mad respect and tip my hat off for your parents for ha having that type of mentality that, you yeah. know what, I'm going to get it done. Yeah. The thing is that him, I feel like if there was YouTube back then, <laughs> you this guy doing what he was doing, like he would become famous because right. he have his own he page. Was, <laughs> he did everything. He did everything. You know what I mean? Like he did plumbing, he did electrical tile, like built concrete floors. Hey, and Rob, you gotta got, get you gotta get on that. You gotta he should name it Dad the Original. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I know, I know. Like, well, actually, my dad passed away when I was 18, and um, it's a bad story because that that is something that came along when we moved to Texas. Um, so my dad, like, growing up, like, he had a very rough life, right? So he he basically uh, he suffered depression, and his way out was drinking. You know, so my my dad was a really good dad. He was a very affectionate person. Um, he always gave us a lot of love. Um, he couldn't give us a lot of time because he was always working, but the time that he did give us, we can tell that he loved us. You know what I mean? He was the type of person that we respect, like we have mad respect for him because, uh, my dad, um, he, not only did he love us, but he also disciplined us. So if he caught us doing something that was not good, he would regulate. You know what I mean? We knew like he gave us that look. And we knew, like, okay, sit your ass down. Don't fucking say shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we had respect for this man, you know what I mean? Like, me and my siblings, like, it was it was crazy. And my mom, my mom was a little more, like, lenient. She'll let us do things. Uh, she always had a baby or, like, something, a new uh, sibling that she's taking care of. So she really didn't really, uh, like, my mom was the type of person to sit down and, like, read us a book. You know what I mean? Like she was, she wasn't giving us one-on-one time like that. She was always taking care of the baby. So we were the kids that we kind of just go outside and play until they yell that, Hey, come back inside or whatever. And we, you know, get our asses back, back inside. But uh, my mom was, uh, she, she was a hustler. She, I remember hustling with my mom when I was in, when I lived in San Jose, when we came back from uh, Tijuana to, to uh, California, we got to work. I got to work in the fields with her. Um, and it wasn't picking, but it was, um, basically after they picked the fruit, we would cut the fruit and, and have take out the seed, which was a pecan, no, not pecan, I'm sorry. Um, apricot, it was apricots. So we would basically open the fruit. We'll open it up, take out the seed, put it in, in a little, like a can, the seed, throw it away. Cause I don't know for what reason they would save those seeds, but maybe I obviously to probably plant or, or again. But we would fill up a whole huge table and with half uh, apricots opened up and they, they put them out in the sun and dry them out. Each table that we filled up was three bucks. So there will come this white lady like punching holes. Every time that you had like a, a table filled, she'll punch a hole. And then here comes another brand new table. We have to fill it up again. So here we are since four o'clock in the morning, my mom and I cutting these apricots open and our hands freezing because up Northern Cali is a lot more colder than, right. than down South. Yeah. You know what I mean? So our fingers are frozen and we're there. And I remember, uh, yeah, so I got to do that with her. I got to also sell corn on the uh, corn on the cob with my mom when I was growing up. We got to knock on, on doors and, and like sell corn on the cob, empanadas, tamales. Uh, empanadas is basically like a Mexican uh, bread and that they use stuff with, with different fruit inside. Right. Um, so we got to sell that. So we did, we did a lot of hustling growing up for sure. Did you know you what been, I mean? And, you were born in the hustle, man. Yeah, yeah, we we had to, we had to, you know, to survive. I feel like, you know, how did um, you um, how'd you how'd you find the barber world, or how'd the barber world find you? Um, the whole barber thing came about because my parents were basically stalling on the haircut for us. You know, my dad cut our hair every three months, so my hair was looking ugly. When I was, <laughs> I had pictures when I was in like fifth grade, sixth grade, and I I looked hideous with like my hair is all grown over my ears. And my hair is super straight, so it's not like a curly hair or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? Like it just looked ugly. I try to comb it, and it just it was like standing up from the sides, and the top is like combed. 
I know I have a picture somewhere around there. It looks, it looks <laughs> ugly. So when I was a little older and I, I was in, in middle school, high school, like I liked getting haircuts a little more often because, you know, I wanted to look more presentable. Obviously at that age, you start, you know, liking girls and you want to look better and you just don't want to go to school. You're embarrassed if you go without a haircut to school. Wow. Uh, at least I was that type of kid, you know? So whenever um, uh, my dad, one time, what was it? I think it was like my sophomore year. I think it might've been like my sophomore year or, or junior year. I, I remember that he was taking too long to, to uh, give us haircuts. And not only that, he couldn't, you know, the reason that was obviously is because he couldn't afford cutting, you know, six kids hair or whatever. So, um, and I basically picked up the clippers and I started cutting my own hair. Uh, the way that the first time that I ever paid attention to a haircut was um, we went to this Asian spot where there was a bunch of Asian ladies cutting hair and they would do haircuts for like five bucks and they were like quick haircuts. So they would just basically do like a whole line around. They'll cut the bottom half, you know, like very short and then just blend all the way around, blend, blend, blend. So I was paying attention one time that I went to this, this uh, Asian, I, maybe it was a salon, I could say, because it wasn't a barbershop. Mm-hmm. It was like a salon. You know, in the 90s, we went to salons a lot to right. get uh, haircuts. So she was doing a haircut on my cousin. And once I saw, like, the steps, I, w- I went home and I tried it on myself. And it was a decent haircut. It wasn't too bad. I happened to be a natural at that. So then, you know, once it, I cut my hair, there was there were siblings and cousins and, and friends that were like, yo, who cut your hair? And I'll tell them, like, yo, this is – I did it myself. So they were like, ah, you're kidding. And I was like, nah, for real. Like, I use a mirror and I sit in front of the, you know, in the restroom and I would cut my own hair. So there'd be hair everywhere. And, but I would literally <laughs> sit on top of the sink with the mirror and do it. And, um, and then I started cutting my cousins and friends. But it was more of a hobby thing. At this point, I still didn't, it didn't click in my mind, hey, I can make, you know, money by cutting people's hair. Like, I never really thought about that. Like, I, I, I would look at it as like, like, why would people want me to uh, cut their hair, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like if you learn how to cook ribs at your house, um, you're doing it just for your family. You're not doing it to to make money out of it. You don't consider yourself like, oh, I'm gonna open a rib place and start selling ribs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it just doesn't. It wasn't like that. So it was more of a of a natural thing. Like, just I just enjoyed doing it. You know what I mean? Um, at this point, I was 16 when I first picked up the clipper and started cutting my own hair. Um, when I was 20 years old, I was already living in Texas. Uh, my parents have, you know, bought a house over here. We're tired of living in, in apartments and all that. Uh, we did have the house in TJ, but we were already living in the States. But my, my parents still had that little house in, in Tijuana. But we didn't really live there. We, we were living in the States again. So so we lived in apartments. And my parents were like, all right, we need a house. So the opportunity, you know, happened to buy a house in Texas. So we, we were living out here. Uh, well, the, my first job that I got cutting hair um was when I was 20 years old so I remember I lost this job that I had I got him fired um mm-hmm. I got in a fight with somebody and I got fired and it was a good job I, it was actually a meat distribution company where you work inside freezers um I uh I basically uh I was going into work and this is my first job that, ha- that I had benefits and and I was getting paid over 10 bucks an hour at the time. So I, I was considering it a good job, you know? I was like, right. oh wow, this is a really good job. So there was this bully um, that was related to one of the top managers and, and and so that's the reason that he had the power to be a bully because his brother was one of the top managers. So he was always going around, you know, punking people and the dude was this little short stocky dude 
And um, he was probably like in his late 30s, I want to say. And I was, um, at this time, I was 19 years old. So me being this young kid growing up in Southern California, we're used to being tested. You know what I mean? Like right. We're used to like people trying to test you and you regulate. Like, nah, hell no, I'm not going to let this fool like try to punk me. Like he, he testing the wrong one, you know? So I ended up, you know, kicking his ass basically. And um, he called the cops on me. And at this time, like I had tickets that I hadn't paid. So I just dipped, you know what I mean? I dipped, I left my car there and, and <laughs> the cops got there, but I wasn't there when they got there. So my, my brother picks me up and I'm like bummed out because I really was happy to have this job. And this is like two weeks in this job. You know what I mean? So this whole thing happens and I'm like, man, I'm going to have to look for another job now. And uh, I was like, man, you know what? Fuck it. Like whatever comes, you know, I'm going to take it just like any other job. I already had done, like I said, carpenter. I was, I worked with airplanes and cargo. Um, I worked at restaurants. I did a uh, mover. I was a mover at one point. I did sales. I was a jeweler. I fixed repair jeweler. So I had done all these jobs, you know what I mean? And I feel like every single little job helped me build my character. Like you are going to use something that you learn in those jobs along sure. the way. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of those, those things that I've learned, I'm using them now in my career. You know what I mean? So right. all of that helped me help build Rob the original, you know what I mean? Um, and, and Rob the original, it's, it's basically a, a, a character. You know what I mean? Like Rob the original, it's, it's an, it's an artist. It's not Rob Farrell. You know what I mean? Right. Well, it kind of is in a way, but Rob Farrell also it's it's a dad, it's a husband, it's, it's a son, a brother. You know what I mean? Who I am at home. That's Rob Farrell. I would say. They don't call me Rob the original. <laughs> but yeah, so man, then like, you, you started working in like a barber shop, or or what was the next gig? Why I brought up the whole getting in a fight and all that with this this place was because that was a loss, right? But to it, it was a door that got closed on me for another door that opened. You know what I mean? I think that mm. destiny is meant to be. Um, the reason. We so because I lost this job, I was able to, to, uh, take the opportunity to become a barber. The way that happened was, um, I basically, um, I needed a haircut. My clippers were not working. Um, a neighbor of mine told me, Hey, go to this barbershop down the street. They cut good hair. Uh, I wasn't used to going to barbershops. I was used to cutting my own hair. And if I didn't go to barbershops, I would go to salons. So when I walk into this barbershop, I was the last client of the day. So when I walk in, there was only one gentleman cutting hair and it was a very tiny barbershop. There was only three chairs and he was a, a, a Mexican um, that was cutting hair. And I say a Mexican because I meant like a real Mexican, like boots, uh, you know, belt, ostrich belt matching the ostrich boots, um, very, you know, tucked in. He had jewelry. He looked like a, he looked like he was in the, in the cartel business. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> uh, very nice groom and stuff. And, and he was, he was cutting hair and he was cutting dope hair. Like not a nice blended fade with a nice edge up at this time in 2000, this was in 2006. There was in such, the edge ups were not popping in Texas yet or Cali. They were barely starting. You know what I mean? Like, like they were, they were new and not a lot of people could do them. So when I saw this guy doing it, I, I was, I was very like impressed and I had a lot of questions. So when I, whenever he almost didn't take me, right. He was like, Oh, we're not taking no more clients. Told me in Spanish. And then, you know, I guess he felt bad. I don't know for what reason he was just like, you know what? Just Cause your haircut was I jacked up. That's why he was, uh, <laughs> <he felt bad. laughs> you're probably right. You're probably right. 
<laughs> so I, I sit down, you know, and at this time I used to, I used to rock like a one on top and a zero on the sides, like very short hair. Um, and I just sit down and I told the guy, I was like, look, I'm, I'm just getting like a one on top and, and a zero on the side. So he was like, all right, have a seat. So when I'm sitting down, I'm making all these observations about him, you know, that he cuts really good and he looks Mexican as hell, playing a Mexican uh, movie of Vicente Fernandez, you know. I like all this stuff, though. Like, don't, don't think that I'm talking down on it. Like, right. I, I'm Mexican, you know what I mean? Like, I connected. Like, I was like, oh, this is dope. It's a dope shot. So when it's my turn to sit down, I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm asking him questions. Like, hey, you know, where did you learn how to cut like this? It's so dope. And then he starts telling me they have a family business that it's a bunch of barbershops. Uh, called Acapulco Barbershops here in San Antonio. They had about at least five of them around the city, and they were all from Michoacan, Mexico. So when he starts telling me about about this barber world, he's like, man, like, we always get together. We're like one big family. I tell him, man, that sounds like a cool job. Like, I really like it, you know? And, mm-hmm. and then and then I start telling him, why I cut my own hair. Like, I, I've been cutting my own hair for many years, and I cut my siblings and friends. So then he tells me, well, I'm about to um, sell this shop. I'm going to sell it to somebody else. And I'm going to be gone in two months, but I need help here. Like, it's only me cutting right now. Do you think you could come in and help me out? And I was like, what? Like, I had just <laughs> lost the job. So this is why I mean that destiny um, opens, you know, it's just meant to be. You feel me? Right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. never in my, in my life would I thought I would be a Rob the Original, traveling the world. People look up to me. Uh, they get inspired by my work. Never in, in a million years. You know what I mean? This wasn't planned. I wasn't like, hey, I want to go to barber school. I like I like it. It wasn't like that. You know what I mean? It was more like it found me. And, and I, I was desperate for a job. Um, and I took the opportunity. And at first, I was like, don't you need, like, a license for this shit? You know what I mean? And, and then he, he was like, well, you're just going to help me under the table for, like, two months. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, fuck it. Like, I had a one-year-old at the time. You know, he was a, my oldest. And I needed to buy diapers. I needed the job. So I show up, you know, two days later. Um, and I show up with these home clippers from Walmart. If I recall, they were Conair. <laughs> and it's funny because I work for the company now, you know? Um, but they were home clippers. So they weren't, they were like not cutting like a barber tool would. I was right. not familiar with any barber tools. I was not familiar with the barber industry. The way that I would cut my hair at home, it was with a towel on me. And you know what I mean? No supplies, no neck duster, no none of that stuff. So when, I, when, I'm, uh, when I'm there, um, I show up with these clippers. He literally looks at me. And it was a Monday, I remember. He looks at me and he's like, this is, he starts laughing. He's like, these are not the tools, man. So he locks the place and takes me to Sally's and buys me an entire kit, an entire kit from cape to neck clip, uh, the the clip or whatever to hold the cape to uh, Nick, Nick powder in case I cut anybody, like everything, everything. He buys me everything, combs, brushes, a trimmer, a clipper. And then we show up to the place and he's like, all right, cool. You're going to give me 50% of what you make. And you are just pretend like you know what you're doing. So I'm, I'm sitting here in this little station, nervous as hell. Like <laughs> people start walking in, you know, and at this time, a lot of older gentlemen were still walking into the shop right. and they wanted scissor cuts. I didn't know how to do a scissor cut. I only knew how to do fades on myself. So I would just sit down and I wouldn't cut those. I would just cut the, the, the people that were walking in with short hair. And I was, I was uh, like, I, I've always liked to be, you know, the best at what I do. So I picked up quick just by watching the other guys, how to use the scissors, how to do tapers. I did probably mess up a lot of haircuts. I don't think they were really bad haircuts. The only thing I just took me forever to get them done. You know what I mean? Cause, right. but I remember being super nervous to use a straight razor. I remember hold just on, hold on, my Rob, hand shaking. 
tell me about that. The very first dude that sat in your chair, like, were you dying or what? <laughs> nervous, nervous. Yeah. Super nervous. Um, sweat dripping down my back. Um, How I don't recall the very first person that, are, that I cut, that I cut. I do recall the first day, but I don't yeah. recall the first person. I don't recall that, but I know it was, it didn't take me that long to be honest with you because it was a short hair, hair person. Right. So I can knock out a fade within 30 to 40 minutes when I first started, you know, um, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't like a super bad, intri- right? it wasn't an intricate haircut. You know what I mean? It was very, very, yeah, I was, I was already pretty fast when it came to cutting my own hair. So cutting somebody else's hair wasn't too bad. How about the first time using a straight, straight edge? That was very complicated for me. Very <laughs> complicated. I would I would cut like one hair at a time, you know, very <laughs> soft because I now want to cut the skin. I was afraid that 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 blade would cut the skin, you know. And I did nick a couple people, you know, learning along the way. It wasn't nothing too crazy, but I do remember, you know, nicking people like <laughs> blood that's squirting everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, ear piece of ear fell off. Like, nah. <laughs> but I, but I also remember, dude, whenever I first came in, I brought in a Mach three razor. Um, cause that's what I would use on myself to do my edge up. Sure. So I would use it and, and it, it was hilarious. Like I'm trying to do it on clients and I was buying blades, new blades. I was, it was expensive for me to do that. Still you know expensive. What I mean? I, yeah, it was expensive. So I was like, I can't be doing this. So, so then I finally, I said, you know what? I got to learn the straight razor. So I did the straight razor. I remember the very first time I used it because I was so nervous and my hand was shaking and I would pull back. I didn't want the client to know that I was new. I didn't want him to sure. feel like this guy is learning on me. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I wanted. So I don't think people, I never gave people that impression ever. I don't think I did because I, I, uh, it was very, uh, I don't know. It was in me to, to not give that impression at all. Like I wanted to do the best that I could. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was a natural. I became quickly, I became the, the barber in the, in the South side of San Antonio that, that cut everybody. I was cutting all the teenagers Next thing you know, the shop got popping. You know, it was the shop to go to. And I, back then, we didn't have appointments. So it was like first come, first serve. So I would have a line of people all the time. I was the barber that people went, came in. They're like, oh, I'm waiting for him. Hey, I'm waiting for so, him. So, Rob, did he not um, – did, did the guy not end up selling the, uh, the, the, the barber shop two months later? He did. He did. He moved to Houston, and he sold it to a relative of his. And the relative just said, all right, uh, you're staying. You're staying with me, you know? <laughs> right. um, good thing, right? Yeah. And you know what? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that I, oh, I, I got my licenses the first time that I started cutting hair. Because that's a lie. Like, most barbers that are good barbers, that doing it for the passion, um, started cutting hair with no license. Sure. Most barbers. I feel like there's a lot of barbers that say, like, Oh, I want to become a barber and they just want to become a barber because they think it's cool or for whatever reason, maybe they like the way their barber cuts their hair and they, they go to school thinking that they're going to learn how to cut hair in school, mm-hmm. which that's very rare. You know what I mean? That yeah. people learn cutting hair, practicing on people. You feel so, me? Yeah. Yeah. When did, when did that thing happen to where like you were no longer like a, uh, a behind the chair barber and like you, you, when did your like artistic like brain and, and, and your ability to do barbering, when did that kind of melt or when did you first see that? Okay. So second month in when the new guy <laughs> came <was> in, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I, I think my career has been very different from most barbers, you know, uh, I think there's barbers out there that can relate, but I feel like my, my career 
took off at a very young, a very early stage. Uh, by the second month, I had a kid came in and he asked for a design. I was like, what the hell is a design? He's like, oh, I want like a part that goes on top of my hair. Um, and I wanted a curve. So when he said he wanted a curve, I thought he wanted a swirl. So I drew a perfectly swirl coming off the top of his hairline. And it was so perfect because I cut, I draw. So it was like drawing for me. That is whenever I realized the concept of removing hair and exposing the scalp and seeing two different contrasts from the scalp to, to the hair. So from there, I just, I just went bananas. I started doing drawing all types of stuff on haircuts. Um, I never had a role model to say, hey, I want to do what this guy does or, or let me see how he does it or nothing. The only designs I had ever seen in my life was um, a couple high school students that were black and they had like their football number on the back of their hair or, or little patterns. But where I was growing up in California, Mexicans didn't get designs because we, could, we consider that like, oh, if you do designs, like we don't do that. Only black people do that. You know what I mean? Right. That's how it was back then because it was – Mexicans were just bald headed, you know what I mean? <laughs> we just we just shave our heads, you know what I mean? Zero on the sides, one on the top. And black people had the waves and looking fresh and clean tapers. Like we didn't have that. I that came from the African American community, you know what I mean? Like right. and it came from Puerto Ricans and things. I feel like, you know what I mean, edge ups. That came from African Americans and Puerto Ricans, Dominicans and all the people from the East Coast, you know what I mean? So anyways, when I'm doing this on the south side of San Antonio, the south side is Mexicans. So all our clients were Mexican. So I was doing edge ups on straight hair and designs. So next, you know, we no longer have to go to the black side of town to get designs in our hair. You can get it with Rob in the, in the south side. So I started doing logos on haircuts. And I have pictures of these. Back then, we didn't have social media. So it wasn't like, hey, let me put haircuts on on a social media and you can check out the haircuts it was more like i printed them out put them in a book and you kind of select what haircut you want what design you know these are some of my this is the first year i was a barber i was doing jordans oh, i was doing patterns God, awesome hey rob do me a favor can you um when, when we release the podcast can you uh can you put those in your stories just so people can relate yeah yeah look these are some of the very first designs i ever did right here I'm oh, talking about the, so I'm talking about the first, literally the first design. It m- might've been like the third person I ever did a design on. You wow. know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I was just, I was just a natural man. I was, I was really good. Like, like that's I started crazy. doing these look swirls. Look how clean. You see that now though, right? Like that's not even like a dated look, and you know? This is before, this is before the detailer trimmer was out. The detailer trimmer didn't come till like afterwards. Right, um, that's so dope. And then. That I could look back and be like, wow, that's, that's, we came a long way. Right. Yeah, reminiscing. We came a long way. So, hey, so I decided to go to school. So how much, how much were, were you charging for a haircut back then, though? Haircuts were 8 bucks. I was getting 50%, so I was getting $4 a haircut. Um, at the time, the, the people that, that were working there, or the owners, they wanted me to do 30-minute uh, haircuts. So I was knocking them out in 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. So I was doing um, from 20 to 30 haircuts a day. You could do those designs and like for eight bucks. And the designs, I would charge five bucks for the design. So like so, haircut plus the design. Yeah, haircut plus. So the you're design. getting paid more than than the ten dollars an hour at your uh, <laughs> at the other place. I was. You're getting paid thirteen bucks an hour if you did a design. I was. Too. I was making. I was making seventy five hundred a week. So really, I was making fifteen hundred because they kept fifty percent. Wow. Plus tips, you know what I mean? Sure. Plus wow. tips. 
So to me, that was like a week. Like, I was like, hell yeah, I like this job, you know? Yeah, so and, and and then I get I got to take you know well I didn't get to take many breaks but I got to uh, in a barbershop we had windows and we could see outside I no longer I have to work in the back like in a kitchen <laughs> where you're locked in all day right. uh, or in these warehouses where I be indoors all day you know what I mean it was really cool like to be outdoors and get to see like a nice beautiful day you know what I mean like sometimes on the on the good weather days we would open the door you know so it was cool man it was some good memories. Definitely some good it's memories. It's pretty cool man. too, because all the jobs that he mentioned before, there was like no like artistic outlet, right? Right. So like he he was able to find his career and his artistic outlet. You know that. Yeah. Pretty amazing, yeah. bro. Yeah, it was honestly it was so cool because it, it barbering brought me back into drawing. I wasn't drawing no more. It yeah. had already been several years, a good three four years that I wasn't drawing anymore. All I was doing was working, 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 working. I stopped wow. doing graffiti. I stopped drawing. Um, graffiti was probably like the last artwork that I have been doing. Um, so, so yeah, basically like I could, I could view something and I can copy it. I don't know how my brain works that way, but it does. You know what I mean? Right. I, I suck at many things. I'm not good at it. And I'm, this is being honest. Like I struggle with reading and I feel like it's focusing on the words that, that makes me struggle. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like a Mayweather, man. Like I got a talent in a different way that helped me, you know, um be able to make a, a career out of my talent you know what i'm saying found um, your way man you know yeah yeah that's what my wife comes in man like she helps me out with all the all the the emails and, and bookings and things like that because she understands she's really smart when it comes to all that stuff so yeah man we want so, to thank that bully <laughs> <laughs> yeah that bully yeah. found a, yeah. know, discovered rob yeah. in a weird way for yeah, real, for real. But yeah, thanks to him. Look at look at that. Yeah, like yeah, became yeah. a barber, yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So when you went to barbering school, were you like like so much better than everybody else there because you've been cutting for a while? Oh man, yeah, most definitely. Um when my first time I went to barber school was in two thousand and seven. Um I went to the only barber school we had at the time in San Antonio and it was in the black neighborhood. Um, it was called Williams Barber College. It's still there. It's not the same owner no more. But most of the students that were black, that's who went to barber school. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. There was a couple Mexicans, you know, not, not many. Um, and I was one of the few ones. So when I got there, um, I already had these books and some of these pictures. So I came in there, right? And, and I had, you know, I was shaved head, 3X t-shirt, Dickies with high socks and Cortez's or right. Chuck's. Cholo as hell, you know? Yeah, no so doubt. I walk in there, they, and then the, the, the homies there will call me Cali. They're like, what's up, Cali? Like, look at you. Like, you look like you from Blood In, Blood Out movie. Like, they were like clown, you know what I mean? <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought it was, I was like, right, that's what's up. Like, I'm, I'm just being myself, homie, you know? So when I walk in there, like, I'm just, you know, at first I'm kind of quiet. They think I'm just this little gangster that came in and, and you know, uh, what is he? Then I volunteer myself. I like to show off a little bit, you know what I mean? Right, 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 I like right. to show off. I'll be like, I'll be like, hey, uh, you let me cut your hair? And one of the homies is like, yeah, yeah, dude, whatever, you know? So I bust out a drawing on him uh, with clippers. And everybody starts calling, yo, check out this dude, bro. He's fucking dope, you know? Next check out this know, cholo. Yeah, check out this cholo. So all, all, everybody there, they were just impressed. Like, what the fuck? And then I bust out this book. And they're just like, oh, hell no. Look at them. Like, they were just hella fucking impressed. Everybody. They were so impressed that at the time I was using a detailer, uh, clipper, trimmer, or whatever, that 48 students went and bought the trimmer. No. I, yes, no lie. 
And I also had people to, to witness that, that I know still that went to school with me. <laughs> so so it was so funny. It was so funny, you know? I only lasted uh, about, I think, uh, two months in that school. Um, I ended up, you know, not doing well with money. I needed to pay bills and stuff. So I was cutting out of my house at this time. And I said, you know what? I, I'm just going to drop out. So I ended up dropping dropping out. Um, I did I did get to do a trophy to the very first bar battle I went to. They took me. And it was in Killeen, Texas, which is, I think, like three hours away from San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And um, I was... I ended up going just to go because the guys are like, yo, you should go. You're going to kill it. Got first place trophy. Um, but then I dropped out, you know, and I still had that trophy, actually, the, the first. It was in 2007. That's so cool, then I drop, I drop out and, and whenever I'm, uh, I come, I, I, I get back to, you know, just cutting hair, man. And, and, and honestly, I lasted for a little while there in my, in, my, in, my, in my house cutting hair. I was getting into a lot of trouble at the time. I was, you know, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. By then, I already made a lot of friends because, you know, cutting hair, you meet everybody. So a lot of people in the neighborhood uh, became my friends. And, and then I started fucking off with them, and doing drugs and going out a lot. And and um, I had warrants and shit. Like, you know what I mean? I had, um, I was I was actually running from from uh, MTR uh, that I had, which is, you know, I messed up probation. So I lasted a year and a half, um, just low key under the radar. You know what I mean? Not trying to get pulled over or get caught or whatever. And there was this client client of mine, because um, most of my clients that I was cutting at the time, they were like they were like uh, street hustlers, you know what I mean? They were drug dealers. They were the people that could that, that like getting the designs in their head. They like to be flashy and had grills in their mouth and mm-hmm. gold and you know what I mean? Like they were the ones that were that were rocking all that, all the Texas um, hoods, you know, the, um, I mean uh, hood people or whatever. Um, so at this time, one of my clients, he was wanted by like bad, like by the law. You know what I mean? So one of his baby mama snitched that that she was that he was gonna be cutting, getting his haircut with me at my house. So I remember that this fool took off. You know what I mean? And he got his haircut, whatever. And next thing you know, I'm cutting my last client, and this is like on my birthday, on my actual birthday. So my mom's cooking beans and rice at home inside <laughs> the house. I was cutting in this little cartito. It was like a little room beside the house. And while I'm cutting hair there, um, I'm cutting my last client. His name was Jose. Um, I remember seeing the door open a little bit. And when the door opens, a gun, a gun, like a oh. barrel, barrel points in. And I can see an eye. And I'm like cutting hair. And, and when I look, I'm, I look at the, at the door and I'm like, the fuck is that? So then the dude just kicks the door in and he's like in SWAT outfit and everything. He's like, put your fucking hands up. I'm going to shoot you, you know? So then I'm there like, shit, I got clippers. I got scissors in my hands and shit. You know, I'm like, yo, yo, chill, chill. Let me put my stuff down, you know? And and the homie has his hands inside under the cape. So I just don't want this dude to think that, that we're doing something shady. And he's going to blast us. So at this time, I'm like freaking out. But I'm like, yo, 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 it's all good. Like, like you know, what's going on? And he's like, so then he, he like starts patting us down and checking us. They're looking for this one dude that went there and got a haircut. But I was cutting a lot of new people because even though I was cutting out of my house, people were getting referred to me. So I was just cutting a bunch of people. And, and honestly, this new dude was a new client. I didn't even know who the dude was, but I wasn't going to say he was there either. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I was like, yo, like I ain't trying to get in nobody's mix. You feel me? Like, yep. I'm just here cutting hair, bro. Like, let, me, like, <laughs> let me make my hustle. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't think it was this bad of a crime. Goddamn. Like, like, coming in and saw outfits and shit. Next thing you know, they have like all these cop cars outside and they arrested me that day because I had um, 17 outstanding warrants. So mm-hmm. the dude was like, I know it's your birthday, but you got warrants, man. So it was actually a good thing because 
I ended up, you know, saying, you know what, I got to take care of this shit anyways. He's, He's got to clean it up, right? So you can move I got, I got to clean it up. Yeah, I got to clean it up and just, uh, you know, start paying these damn tickets, you know, whatever. So when I got out of jail. How long did you do? I, How long were you in jail? Um, it, was, it wasn't long. I, I was able to bond out. Um, but I decided to go work with this dude at the mall. He had a, a barbershop in the mall called Urban City, uh, Fades and Braids. It was like a hip hop store. They sold a lot of like Texas hip hop. You know, those big ass t-shirts where they said like sipping lean and sipping this and <laughs> big ass rims right here, right. Like, baller, like, you know, stupid shirts that people were rocking back then, big ass tall tees, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and this is in 2007, 2008, you know what I mean? So I remember that this guy been asking me for like ever to go work for him. He was like, yo, he was one of my clients and he's like, I have a store at the mall, man. Like, I, I open you a shop. Like, I want a barbershop inside my clothing store. So he did. He opened the shop. And, and the only way I could go work with him, I told him, if you give me paid as much money as I'm making here at my house, I will definitely go and work for you. So, so did he I just did. have one chair in there or did he bring a couple chairs in? He had a couple chairs. He had a couple yeah. chairs in there. Um, at this time, you know, I was already considering going back to school and getting all my shit together. Um, but I wasn't. Um, I still was cutting, like, kind of under the table, you know? Mm. Um, so then... Then um, I started cutting at this mall and, and there's actually videos on YouTube that you can check me out. Cause my homie, one of my homies that was cutting hair with me, he would always record us in the shop and he started uploading to YouTube. And we, I would always tell the clients after they got a haircut, I would, I would like pop the collar and be like, you just got pimped up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like pimp my ride, like pimp my ride. But right. so then he started uploading these videos and this is, by, this is in 2008. And he was like, my homie started uploading these videos and we called it paint my haircut. So we call that's what we used to uh, say, like, yo, paint my haircut. Boom. And you know, you just got pimped out. So if you look up these videos on YouTube, um, you can see young I'm Rob definitely doing that at 20 years old, 20 years old, bald headed, uh, <laughs> shirts, you know what I mean? And I was doing sick ass work. I was way ahead of my time when, when we look back right. and a lot of the top barbers that are, that do designs nowadays, they say, and they they've told me before yo i remember watching those videos bro like i learned how to do stars because of you because i have a tutorial how to do stars and i used to knock out these designs quick i was so fast with them you know i'm doing these fucking crazy haircuts um and i remember that there was local barbers that started picking up on my designs doing the same designs that i was doing and i was seeing them in the streets and I'm like, yo, who did that design? It looks just like mine, but I didn't, I didn't do that. You know what I mean? So then they're like, oh, my homie did it at his house, uh, out of his house. So a lot of youngsters started cutting hair, and it started becoming more of a thing to see were younger you, barbers. Were, were you complimented or, or offended by that? At the time, I was offended. <laughs> Right. Because we we still had that hood mentality, like, oh, motherfucker, gonna copy? Like, you you gonna copy me? Like, right. you gonna hustle? You gonna take my hustle? You taking right. my my recipe? You know, like that was the mentality that we had. I didn't have a sharing mentality. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Uh, that came along obviously as I mature and I got older. Like, hey, you know, I, I take it as a compliment. Somebody does right now. I set a trend, and if somebody does horse designs, I'll be like, yo, that's dope. Like, obviously, you know, they got it from. What I did, I, I, I'm here in this world um, sharing my talent and my gift 
and people are getting inspired by it. Shit, that's fucking incredible. You feel me? Like that means I'm serving Absolutely. a purpose. Dude, serving let's, a purpose. Let's, you brought it 100%. up. Let, you brought it up. Let's go there, man. Tell us like how did you uh how'd you land the horse stuff? And and if you haven't seen, go to Rob. Well, the before we get and, to the horse stuff, let's get when did you first put a a portrait in somebody's head? Yeah, right. I was you about know, to say that. Yeah, yeah, go <laughs> I ahead. I was about to say that. Like, I feel like we need to make a, a, a documentary series of my life because I've been through crazy shit, and I still, I still stay in touch with a lot of people that saw me go through all this stuff. But the next step after I was doing these designs and, I, and that shop became the shop, obviously in the hood, every shop that I touched became the shop that everybody mm-hmm. went to. You feel me? And, mm-hmm. and that's just being straight up honest. Like, I'm not the type to be like, yo, I'm the fucking best. That are yada yada because my work speaks for itself. You know what I mean? And and, and it just was like we, we couldn't lie about it. Like I, it was packed. I'm seeing and, this right. He's seeing his work like with lines and stars on the street, knowing that hey, I didn't do that. So I'm gonna take it up a notch. I'm gonna oh, do something yeah. that I know you guys can't yes. do. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what happened. I was like, oh, these fools. Oh, wanna, oh you want to play? Wanna, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to do. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna do something that they can't do. I'm gonna do something that it'd be harder for them to try. I'm gonna do a portrait, you know. And and back then there wasn't such thing as a portrait on a haircut. And if there was, there were cartoonies. There was people that obviously tried probably doing a, a, a face, but it was never a realistic image. You know what I mean? Um, it was never like something like that. Um, I actually have the picture here in the frame in my little studio where I did my very first portrait, which you can find on Paint My Haircut. Luckily, this is this is so dope that my homie recorded it, my first portrait ever, That's ever. Cool. No role models, not nah, let me do what that guy's doing. There wasn't such thing. That is where Rob the Original, the name came from, because back then people used to call me Rob the Barber. But I feel like portraits, me doing lifelike images of people, um that's what i consider myself being original you know what i mean yeah. later on there was other people that did portraits and all that there was another guy that argued in the city um that he started portraits and i copied him i i don't care i didn't know who the hell dude was whatever i don't care so who was my the very portrait first of? portrait tupac tupac yeah, yeah awesome tupac tupac um I, one of the first music that I started learning in English was Pac. You know what I mean? Like when I moved to San Jose, California, and I was learning how to speak English. And I, and I ever since then, like once I I just love, I love Tupac. I feel like uh, Tupac is somebody that touches my my soul. That that I can relate. I can I can listen to something and and feel him. You feel me? Like especially when he speaks about poverty and him knowing that one day he's gonna be a star. Um, when he, when talking about, you know, drugs and all the shit that he, that he been through, it's shit that I was around. You know what I mean? Right. It's shit that I, I lived through. And I know that a lot of, a lot of the music that he put out was also not shit that he been through, but shit that he saw as well. Because some people might say, well, Tupac wasn't gangster. Tupac wasn't doing this. Yeah. But Tupac was around it and he saw it firsthand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And same with me. You know what I mean? My, my oldest sister uh, was a heroin addict. You feel me? At a young age, she was a runaway. Um, they've been through a lot of shit, you know what I mean? Being raped, all that shit. Um, I, I've been in and out of jail. I was hooked on hardcore drugs. I lost my brother. And this is something that I didn't speak about earlier uh, before I became a barber. I lost my brother in a car accident, tragic car accident, drinking and driving, 22 years old, my oldest brother. Um, my dad, seven months later, you know what I mean? OD mm. at the house, you know what I mean? I got to see my pops like dead, like in the in the room before paramedics and all that. 
um, feeling guilty as fuck because I took him to the hospital the night before and I just decided I was tired and I was like, I'll just take you home and bring you back tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, he wasn't alive. You know what I mean? My dad was only 49 years old and, and oh. it's somebody that I, that I, that I uh, looked up to, like that was my hero. And for him to like leave at such, uh, when I was still so young and I still had a lot of questions about life and, and still to this day, you know what I mean? It's somebody that I would like to uh, make proud. And if somebody, if I wanted to make somebody proud, um, you know, besides my children, I would feel like it would be my dad. My dad will be somebody that I would like for him to see all my success because my dad comes from nothing. He comes from nothing. And he was a very, uh, he was a very, uh, a person that I, I just always wanted to make proud. You know what I mean? So, but that, that happened, you know, earlier in the years. So I did go through like drug stages and all that. And when, when I started doing all these designs and, and, and I found something good, like my life just started changing little by little, you know, started bettering, bettering, bettering. I started maturing. Um, once I do these portraits, it, it, it takes off. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, like I changed the industry. I changed the, the world because now I'm inspiring people all over the, the world doing these portraits. And now it's a thing. Like right. now there's a lot of portrait artists that, that gotten recognized and, that come out on TV and that get opportunities. And I opened that door. You feel me? Like, in my oh. opinion, it's like, damn, like that's badass. And I'm sure there was other people that probably did designs and portraits, tried portraits, maybe around the same time. I don't know. Like, because there is, um, like they say, great minds think alike. You know what I mean? So yeah. they, they could, it could be it. But I, I feel like, like I, I did that change. Um, I, I so look that, forward to, to, to new, new videos, new haircuts. I, I'll be, I can't lie. I like when I say, Oh, Rob posted something. Oh, I'm, I'm, I immediately pull out my phone and, and yeah, hit no, the no. Instagram <laughs> and I make sure I check it out because what you do is it's, I don't see it's it. Always every day. It's, yeah, it's always different. Yeah. It's always different. I mean, with right. the cigarettes, the hair braids, the, the dreads on top of a hair tattoo. It's, I'm it's cool, man. Yeah. My job, right. my job, my job became, um, setting i'm the person that's in charge of setting that bar higher and higher yes. and higher every time that we we set the bar a certain way and a certain height um i i obviously doing portraits and i'm doing a lot of them and it's still stuck there and and then everybody else jumps on the train obviously and starts doing the same thing but it's like okay cool so we did this so what next you know what i mean so my job is to brainstorm and be like all right what can i do that's different what can i do you know what i mean recently i started doing color on hair um I saw um, my boy Julius Caesar do a painting yeah. on haircuts, and I thought that was a brilliant idea. I was like, man, like, how how come I'm not doing this? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I called him personally. I was like, yo, this is so dope, bro. Like, shoot him out. Like, keep doing this because this will blow you up. This is like your gig because Julius has been under 100k forever. He just hit 100k on followers, and I feel like he's a super talented uh, person. Um, he has a, a really good image. I like his image. I've been fucking with Julius since back in the day. Like I, I brought him to one of my shows like five, six years ago to San Antonio and he remembers. And I told him, I brought him specifically because I had barbers that worked for me that tell me, Oh, he's my favorite barber. You know what I mean? So at this time, like I remember that show, I brought Mr. Official, Los Cut It, um, A-Rod, um, Papito Bless Hands, a bunch of the homies that were barely starting at the time that now yeah. that they're doing so much better. At that back then they were barely starting you know lena came mark mark the barber from miami like a lot of people came and we have i have a lot of pictures if you scroll way down 
on my Instagram. But that's pretty dope. But yeah, like, like I when I saw that, like I was like really, I was like, yo, this is your niche. Like if you take off with this and just create back to back, you would do so well. And that's that's the strategy that I use. Like when I find a niche, like you gotta run with it. You know what I mean? You can't just do one and then oh, I'm gonna release one in two weeks. Like nah, like. You got to release as many as possible right now so you can fucking level up. You know what I mean? Right. So you can go to the next level and and um, get recognized. You know what I'm saying? Because make your mark in the industry. Like In order to do that, you have to bring something new to the table. Um, so he definitely inspired me when it came to painting our heads. Uh, I I honestly, like I gave him credit for the first few port, port, uh, color designs I posted. Um, cause I do, I have gotten inspired by a lot of people. I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't, or that everything's original because it's not. Um, I feel like it's, it's just like Drake and the music industry. He wa- listens to a new artist as young, like XX or whatever, and gets inspired and does similar music, right? but in his way, you feel me? Right. So me like, like, yeah, I'm going to use hair designs and paints and all that on the hair, but I'm going to try to do my own artwork with that same technique. You feel me? Yeah. And I'm going to try to crush it when it comes to that. I'm going to try to put out like a material, you feel me? Um, and that's just with anything. Like, I just feel like doing different shit will get you viral, you know, and, and be consistent with it. Like put out a lot of it. So, so Rob, I, Rob, I want to talk a little bit. I want to, I want to live a little bit in just your art, not necessarily the art that you're doing on hair, but you know, just like, like, like we talked about like the sugar and the salt art and, and, you know, you did the contrast art with just like hair clippings and then you've done, then you've done the horses and stuff. How did, how did you, uh, first off, how did, how did, how does one find, how did one find you and even know that they wanted to do like a horse portrait? That's insane. Or a portrait on a horse, we should say, right? Not a portrait, <laughs> art on a horse. Yeah, the the whole horse art that it's very recent, very recent, less than two years. Um, I I just like I said, I try to brainstorm to do artwork that's different. You know, uh, I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm the first person that did designs on a horse. I I've know there's people it. that I'll say it for you because I've never seen it. <laughs> I think it's Kenny Duncan. I think Kenny Duncan did one on a, on a horse one time. Kenny Duncan. Um, you guys know who he is, right? I don't know Kenny. Uh. Kenny Duncan, I, he's uh, he works for Andis, I think, educator. Okay. Yeah, I think he did a design on it. And shout out to Kenny, you know what I mean? Um, I have seen him do, and I saw some people do designs on dogs before, and I was just like, oh, I always wanted to try that. And I kept it in the back of my mind, I always wanted to try it. But but I never really uh, tried it into when I was trying to come out with new content um, recently, like a few years ago, and I came, I did a, uh, some praying hands on a, on a horse here in San Antonio. I did it on a horse for free. Just did it for content. I had a a homie that that came in from Arizona. He's a videographer. He filmed the whole thing and we shot a video out of it. Um, I posted on my social media. On my social media, I I tend to be consistent. Like I try to always post, you know what I mean? Every day. There's a lot of artists that if they don't create nothing new, they won't post. Mm -hmm. Me, I created so much art along the years that I have art to repost that I posted a long time ago. <laughs> so I, you catch me reposting shit all the time. Like the, like the horse of the, of the Medusa, uh, Versace. I post oh, that yeah, fucking that horse awesome. all the fucking time. And I post different pictures of it. You know what I mean? Or different video clips that I have on my phone of it. Um, because I know it's still going to get views. So I reposted the horse several times. The one with the praying hands. Um, a year later, uh, there's a big celebrity artist by the name of Pepe Aguilar. He saw it on social media and he contacted me through DM and he uh, he told me, hey, yo, like, I, I love your work. You do awesome work 
I want to work with you on a project and I, and I would like to work on many projects after this. And I was like, like, hell yeah. First of all, he's a legend. It's like, you're talking to George Strait or bigger. You know what I mean? Like this dude is huge in the Mexican industry. His parents were celebrities from like black and white cowboy movies. And then he's a big celebrity and now his kids are, are artists as well. Um, anyways, I, I accepted the opportunity. He flew me into Mexico and I did the Versace horse. That was the very first horse I did for him. Um, after that horse, um, I did, I think, three other horses after that. Um, mm-hmm. th- and during the same two days that I was there. And But that first horse, I took my time with it. You know what I mean? I did very intricate, you know, Versace patterns on the horse. And I did the logo. And he just was amazed by it. He was like, wow, this is so dope. And he told me, all right, man, like, I want you to do more, more projects with me. And I started doing more horses. And all the horses you see are from him, from all his shows. Are they, and I'm actually... They- do the horses like it? Do they like the buzz or do they get, do they ever get freaked out about it? I'd be scared to get kicked in the head is what I'm asking. <laughs> oh man. I, I was so at the beginning, I always, I, I felt the same way. I was like, man, I hope these horses did not kick me in the face, man. Like I don't want to die young, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, what's the Macaulay that? Nah, man, like these horses are super calm. There was always somebody there with me working with next to the horse. And mm-hmm. it's somebody that is constantly, uh, with the horse um, even when I'm not there like these horses are show horses they dance so whenever he performs on them they come out doing the little dancing steps and they're used to getting clipped already like they trim their the, the hair and the ears right, right. so they can hear better uh, they trim the hair and the noses like the whole like even I the hair grows so big sometimes that in the summer they I think they trim it down a little bit um, as well so they're, they're used to being groomed these horses were calm horses they're they're show horses, so they're not wild horses that they just let loose and then you try to bring a clipper in it. Like, that right. motherfucker might, might kick you, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but these these horses were legit horses and super expensive horses too, like good, big-ass horses. Yeah. So it was really nice, and I fell in love working with them, man. I love horses. Like, I want to have me some horses now, like, one day, you know? Like, they, they, it's been amazing working with the animals, and I, honestly, I'd rather do that than to do barber shows, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. It's just so calm, you know, it's just so badass. It's a huge canvas. Like I could draw right. whatever. You know, what I mean, true. usually when I'm doing these show days for him, like I'm in a rush, I'm in a time crunch because I gotta do an X amount of horses before he performs. And I usually fly in like a day before. So so I I don't really get to take too long on the horses. But if I did, I, I have ideas to like wrap up that whole horse with designs, you know, if I could. But yeah. Like a car people wrap. are so crazy. Yeah, people are so crazy because when we first started doing that, a lot of people started talking shit about it. Like, and oh, poor horse. Like, why are you doing that to him? Did he ask for it? I'm like, yo, did your son ask for a haircut? No, but you got to give him the haircut. So he looks right. good, right? Um, it's just a haircut. It grows back. Some people thought it was a tattoo. I was tattooing the animal. Um, some people are like, poor horse. He's standing yeah, out there whatever. too long. Like, like the horse stands like even asleep you know what i mean like, <laughs> but people are so like they just oh my god people are so crazy when it comes to that but the whole animal cruelty thing you know what i mean but the the animals are well taken care of they live better than me and you they eat yeah. top-notch food they're constantly groomed there's people that have nobody around them you know these horses are they're constantly being catered to so i mean yeah, they definitely look horses. athletic and like fit you know yeah oh yeah 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 they're good horses super huge horses that's what i'm saying like yeah yeah no no definitely we're not hurting an animal that's for sure <laughs> before we find out the future of what rob's up to how 
I wanted before we got into the horse, I wanted to find out what was the feeling like when like Tony Parker or one of those guys that came up right before the playoffs said, Hey, can you, do, can you put a portrait on my hair? Can you do something on my head? I mean, what, was that the first celebrity or who was the first celebrity called you up and said, Hey, I need you to do something, something on my head. The first did you- celebrity that did something on their head was uh, Fluffy, Gabriel Iglesias. I did one. Um, oh, yeah. He was going to come out on the Rachel Ray show. And, um, oh, no, 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 not Rachel Ray. I'm sorry. Uh, Chelsea Lately? Chelsea Lately show? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like a late night Chelsea show. Chelsea Handler, right? Didn't Chelsea, Chelsea Handler? Chelsea, Chelsea, yeah. The Chelsea Lately. Yeah, I think it was called the Ch- Chelsea Lately show or something like that. And he got a portrait of, uh, of uh, her little sidekick. I think he recently passed, Chewy. Yeah. By the name of Chewy, yep. he's like a short guy, a Mexican guy. Um, so he got a portrait of him, and he was a guest on the show, and he he shared that. He showed he showed me a lot of love, man. Still to this day, I can literally call him, text him, and he's he's my boy, man. I, dude, no matter how busy he is, he always re- replies. Man. You know what I mean? He always replies. So shout out to my boy Gabriel Iglesias. He's a, a true one. He's a real one. You know what I mean? He seems like Definitely so dope, one. man. Like, like he you is. ever watch him? I love his comedy, but um, he uh, he's good he, people, man. He seems like a real he's, dude. Yeah, he is. He's a real dude. Like he is. He introduced me to uh Jay Leno, and I did some artwork for Jay Leno, and and he paid me for it. He paid me to do the artwork for Jay Leno. I oh, did uh, a sand art, yeah, and took me there. He gave me a whole. Jay Leno gave us a personal tour to his garage for all his uh, car oh, collection. Oh, yeah, was that dope? dope. Super dope, man. These cars, he has rare vehicles in there. It's, it's like crazy. a museum, right? Mm-hmm. It really is. Oh. It really is. He has a car, and then, and then accordingly to the vehicle, he'll have, like, like a signs behind the vehicle that, oh like, God. stuff that has related to, to the vehicle. Like, it, it's crazy. It's a museum. Definitely a museum, but it's not open to the public. Okay. I would, listen, I wasn't envious until now, bro, because I'm a car dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Dude, nah, dude is, is so legit, weird. man. And I've worked with other celebrities, but... Really, I don't really cut a lot of celebrities' hair, to be honest with you. Um, like Tony Parker and all of them. The, the way that I started getting noticed um, was by me doing artwork of celebrities. So I would do like a Cheech and Chong. So then, you know, Tommy Chong would share the portrait. I do a portrait of Tony Parker. And then he might have not shared it, but ESPN, you know, aired it. Um, then this is a strategy that a lot of people that do portraits use now. Um we have like Anthony the barber and uh, PR. Um, he's from Puerto Rico. He does portraits, and he told me like early in early stages of his career, he told me, "Bro, like you inspire me to do portraits, bro. Like thank you." He was very very uh, humble and uh, uh, and showing a lot of gratitude towards me for doing portraits. He told me like I was a teacher for a lot of years, and now I'm doing this. So he does a lot of famous people's portraits, and that's how he's come out on a lot of TV shows himself. And I think now he's got over 100K followers, too. Um, That's amazing. So there's, there's many other ones. You know, uh, there's uh, Sanchez, uh, Sanchez, Jay Sanchez um, from Chicago. Also, he does portraits and also do portraits of famous people. That is the strategy to try to get shared. Because in social media, you know, in order to grow, you want to get shared by people that have big following. Because that's how you're going to get new followers, right? Put on their mm. platform. You yeah. know what I mean? So that was my strategy. I did portraits of many different people, like, you know, comedians, actors, and they, they, a lot of the people that had shared me along the way, um, you know, like Ludacris, Tyrese. Tyrese was actually the very first portrait person that shared me. Tyrese Gibson. Mm-hmm. Right. I did a portrait of, uh, I did a portrait of Paul Walker when he passed away and right. he shared it. 
he shared it on his page and gave me a shout out. I think I gained like 10 K off of him. Oh, it's huge. This awesome. is back when, when, um, this is back when social media, when Instagram was new, kind of like TikTok now. So mm-hmm. the followers and viewers were real. So if you got a shout out by somebody who has millions of followers, you gain. Now they limit you to like a small percentage of people That's- that can gain. You know what I mean? You can get shouted out by a person that has 6 million followers right now and not gain shit. You know, maybe right. 600 followers, a right. thousand maybe. Right. You know what I mean? And um, also uh, Instagram shared me, Instagram itself. I was the first barber that Instagram shared. Oh. And they, and I, and they shared a portrait I did of Tony, I know, uh, Tim Duncan holding a ball during the playoffs. And, um, and I gained 30K off of that. Wow. So I was at 30K followers at the time and I jumped overnight. I jumped, uh, and this is a memorable moment for people in the industry. So like A-Rod, Pacino's, uh, J Majors, all these people remember this day when I got shared by Instagram because it was huge. Like a yeah, barber right. being on, on Instagram itself, you know what I mean? And, and, and during that time, that same exact week was when I flew in to, to uh, do the Queen Latifah. No, what's the Queen Latifah? Yeah, yeah, I did the Queen Latifah show. And at the same time, during the same week, a lot of things were happening that week. Um, also, I went to, uh, I was filming with Cedric the Entertainer for the Barber Battle show that he had, Cedric's Barber Battle. Mm-hmm. And my episode was filmed uh, around that time as well. Wow during that week so it was crazy crazy. it was crazy man so so when i hit 100k uh followers i wanted to show people that i was an artist as well so that is when all this stuff was being born being back to the question that you had asked why did i start doing art with all these random things i wanted people to not see me as a bar i was i was tired of people calling me rob the barber rob the barber rob the barber because i love barbering it's one of my mediums. It's just like I love painting, just like I, I love doing saw art, just like I love doing all that. I think barbering is is uh, a medium that I really, really enjoy. That I really enjoy, and I and I think, and I'm very, very grateful with barbering because it opened doors for me. Like, it, if it wasn't for barbering, I would I wouldn't be where I am now. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, I still enjoy. I ha- I haven't cut hair in over five years, like at a shop setting. Um, all I do is create content now. So all the hairstyles that I that I do. It's not somebody coming in here. Give me a crust of the clown. Or give me a, a <laughs> I don't know, a, a Bart Simpson smoking. Like, or give me this guy. Like, no, I create the content. I brainstorm right. it, and I, I'm an entertainer now. I entertain my audience, and I give them, you know, stuff to watch that's entertaining. Um, so when I I started doing things that were different was because I realized, hey, well, people, the only reason why I'm blowing up on Instagram, and I'm coming out on TV shows and on news articles and all that is because I'm doing shit that's different i'm doing portraits on a fucking haircut that is not normal whatsoever by this time i already been on the ripley's believe it or not book i've been you know on tv shows in, in europe and and brazil and all these other countries so i was like okay i want people to stop labeling me barber you know what i mean i want people to know me as an all-around artist and barbering is one of my mediums you know what i'm saying um yeah, so I basically uh, started brainstorming ideas of what else can I do. One time I, I, I got got up in the morning and I was sitting in bed and I was like thinking, I was like, you know what would be dope? To draw portraits on dusty windows, just like we write wash me. Because it's a right. medium, right? Like sure. you have two different contrasts. You have dust and then you have black from the window, like when you wipe it off. So I was like, why not try that? So that same day I, I went to Walmart, bought some brushes, and I did a portrait of Tupac. Mm. So um, here it is, and I have it. I have the video as well for that. 
Um, you so did that, it on that, cars too, right? Right. That's what I'm talking about. I did it on a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I did it How on cool a would that be if you're like a, at Walmart and like you uh, you come out and then your car is all portraited up and stuff? Right. That'd be pretty dope. Right. <laughs> and I haven't done these mediums in a while. I got caught up doing hair again that I, I, I felt like I, for a short period of time, I started doing so many different mediums. I did wood stain. I did tortilla art, um, you know, guacamole art, ketchup. <laughs> um oreos oreos Oreos. yeah so at this at this period of time was when i gained i went all the way from 100 to 500k i just started going up growing you know what i mean so my page hit 500k and then i got stuck for two years at 500 i wasn't growing no more during this period of time um i was going through a lot of my personal life and i just um i was focusing a lot on my personal life um i by this time you know i'm the most popular barber on social media and the world worldwide. I don't know if a lot of people know this. I know the older barbers or the ones that have been in the social media for longer. No, but I know the younger ones know. But yeah, I was the most popular barber. So at this time, I got comfortable. And in any entertainment business, you cannot get comfortable. In any business, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that I learned. You know what I mean? You cannot get comfortable because people think you made it because you reached a certain point and you think, oh, I, I made it. Like, I'm good now, you know? No, we got it. The, the wheels got to keep spinning. You know what I mean? And, and, and I paused for a while. And uh, last year, by this point, you know, by last year, um, a lot of people had to pass me, way past me. You know what I mean? A-Rod was the number one. My boy, A-Rod, shout out to A-Rod. Um, he, uh, he moved to LA from, from El Paso and started working with YouTubers and started, started changing up his game. He started doing, you know, being a little more active on his videos and, you know, doing more things. And, and um, I feel like comedy skits and things like that. And that helped his career a lot. You feel me? Like he went from being under 500K to almost, well, he hit his million. He was the first barber that hit a million followers on, it, on IG. And from there, he just kept growing, 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 growing. Right now, he recently just hit 2 million. Shout out to him. For hitting his two mil um so yeah he he fucking took off you know what i mean then on also wester the barber i don't know if you guys heard of wester uh-huh. um he's another homie of mine from puerto rico he came from puerto rico and started straight up killing it so a bunch of barbers started growing and following now like i'm left way back here you feel me because <laughs> i got comfortable i got comfortable so last year i was like man i gotta get my mark again in the barber world like i i gotta make my mark again so I'm going to go ahead and put in as much material as possible. Like, I'm just going to create. So back to back, started creating. That's when I started doing the 3Ds again. Um, I had done 3Ds back in the day, when I, um, like four four years ago. Um, I already had done, you know, the Bob Marley one that I did like like six years ago. And then, you know, a few years after that, I did a commercial with, with Head & Shoulders in, in London. And I did 3D portraits for them as well. Um, and my wife was like, gave me ideas. She's like, you should do those 3D portraits. Those are super cool. I always liked them. So I was like, yeah, okay, let me try it out. And I did. I, we were in, in Spain doing a TV show um, in Spain, and I, I did a 3D portrait there. And from there, I was like, I came back to the States, and I just started creating back-to-back. And, and that helped, helped me grow a lot quicker. So That's in cool. six months, no, not less than six months, I doubled my following, what I had built in seven years. Wow. You feel me? Like, yeah. just by, just by being, putting in work. That's when you realize, like, hey, anybody could come up. Like, there's somebody, there could be somebody right now that just opened an Instagram and could pass me if he puts in mad work within the next couple of months. In a few months, you can do it. 
You just have to go viral. That's it. Put out material that is super um, uh, different than anybody else and that is likable, that people are going to like it. You know what I mean? And you will do so well. And that's, that's really it. You know what I'm saying? We don't know who the next top barber is going to be. You feel me? But but it, you got to respect the people that are hustling. You know what I mean? Like, I respect anybody who, who is in their hustle. Awesome. That's cool. All right, Rob, so people can find you like on Instagram at Rob the Original. Do you have a, do you have a, uh, you have a YouTube page as well or a website? Um, I do. Yeah, I do. It's under Rob the Original. And every, Everything all your Rob channels the are Rob the Original? Yeah, Rob the Original, Facebook. I have a, a like page on Facebook. I really don't use it a lot, but mostly I use, now I'm using TikTok. It's actually official Rob the Original, Uh-oh. My, my TikTok, which that's my next page that I'm trying to grow. That's bigger awesome. because it's going to be bigger than Instagram pretty soon. Well, Rob, dude, thank you, man. Thank you for hanging out with us. And, and, and um, I, I have so many more questions. I hope that we can kind of, uh, I'll talk to your wife, Sylvie, and see if we can get you back on the book. Cause we have so many questions, more questions that we want to get into. Dude, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And, and, and thanks for uh, telling us your story and, and, and kind of just, you know, how you yep. came up in this crazy world. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. There's, there's so much more to say, man, but yeah, I know the time is, is done. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So, uh, shall we do it? Yep. I hate to do it because I, I think we can keep going, but uh, but we'll, let's, let's plan number two. So, uh, Mr. Rob, the original, thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Of course. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>